0: Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Hello. Happy all To you too. I'm very excited.
1: Very Very hot.
0: <laughs> and hot, yeah, it's like ninety-some degrees here. Today. It is so hot. <laughs> Hi, Janet. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Good. Hey, Janet. Good. And happy almost solstice to all of our listeners. Um, we had talked about discussing solstice today, and um, I'm working on some um, some things I want to offer through my practice uh, that are seasonally focused. So it's doing a little bit of reading about summer solstice, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of talk about it from a global perspective, and we can dive into all the ways that it's significant culturally and depending on your um, spiritual foundation. But I found this really great article um, from Vox, which I will link in the show notes on Tumblr. We're at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. Um, But it talks about like why we have solstice at all why we have seasons, and I think sometimes we're not even aware of why our planet operates this way. And the thing that I had not really thought about in terms of summer solstice is um, that we only have seasons and we have this shifting of daylight sunlight throughout the year because we orbit the sun on a tilted axis because our planet likely collided with some massive object billions of years before we were on the planet. Um, So there's that part of it, you know, from a scientific perspective, that's why we have a longest day and a shortest day. It's why we have seasons. And we're kind of talking about summer solstice from a standpoint of being in the Northern hemisphere. So for some of you who might be listening, it's winter solstice. Um, It just means that we have a day that has the longest period of sunlight out of the year. It's usually between the June 20th through the 22nd. Um, Depending on where you're at in the Northern hemisphere, you know, depends. will determine like how many hours of daylight you have. It doesn't mean that it's, um, you know, like I'm gonna get 15 and a half hours of daylight. I think Kelly's gonna get 14 and a half to 15. And then Janet, it looks like you're getting 15 and a half to 16
2: that depends on if you consider um from sunrise to sunset or if you consider from first light to last light because there's a
0: big difference right consider- and, well and that's ahead. one of the that's one of the other things is that this is not necessarily the day or the time where we have the latest sunset of the year and i think that's one of the other things that i was it's not necessarily the latest sunset of the year it's simply the longest period of sunlight um in a day of the year generally and this actually isn't going to be the longest in history because all these other really interesting things about um you know the lunar influence on the planet has created tidal friction so over time we've slowed down in how we're rotating but then as global warming warming has become a factor that sped things up so it's shifted from year to year like it's not that this year it's not going to be the longest, longest day in history because we're impacting the planet in terms of global climate. And the planet itself was headed in a certain trajectory due to tidal friction. So it's, it's really this kind of moving target in a way that um, I kind of liked sitting with just because of how different summer solstice feels every year. So I wanted to kind of start from that point of like, that's, that's what the planet's doing. That's the framework within which we've over thousands of years built different observances around the day.
1: I don't think we've said this yet, but solstice officially falls on Thursday, mm-hmm. the 21st, and at least Eastern time, the moment is 6.07 a.m. right. So I guess that's 10:07 universal time, mm-hmm. I think.
0: Yep. And it's and it's just the point at which the sun is um directly on mm-hmm. the uh the Tropic of Cancer, that midpoint that sort of splits the earth in half, northern and southern hemispheres. I may have said that wrong, but <laughs> So, um I guess we wanted to talk about it from an animistic perspective, um, and for me, as I'm framing it more and more in an animistic way personally, um, I wanted to think about it in that you know, in looking at the Earth itself as a person, you know what is its, its experience? And re- realizing that part of the reason we experience the Earth as cyclical in this way is because there was this mass event before we were even here. That created this tilt otherwise we would just have the same day and night and you know pretty consistently throughout the year and yet this massive event affected us in this way that i mean even as someone who's you know been fairly you know pagan shamanic animistic in practice for a while i hadn't really thought about why we are so cyclical or the planet itself is so cyclical and how that's impacted us as people
2: That's a fascinating way to look at it, Um, because, again, I think that brings us closer to the animism, which is what we're talking about, that the planet has this much of an effect on us, and we need to be so aware of what that effect is and how it's different for different people, different regions. And also, Kelly, I think you alluded to this earlier, that... um, The solstice practices are not what they used to be, that we almost need to create new ones to be where we are in relationship with the planet and the earth as it is now.
1: Well, I think we've talked about that before on the show in general, that we kind of look at all of the Sabbaths through this lens of Western Europe, kind of sort of a little bit Northern Europe, but but we've just kind of slid into, like in general pagan culture, everybody just assumes we're talking about a Western European flavor. And and that's not true. I mean, there, there's so much more culturally to explore for how different cultures, different traditions and different regions acknowledge solstice. And even all of that considered, we're not the ancestors where, you know, wherever the roots may have originally been for your spiritual interests or even your family line, you're not likely there now. And so I, I'm always a big advocate of, you know, look at the cultural implications, look at the ancestral overtones, but where are you standing now? What does it mean to the footprint you're leaving now to the nature spirits that you engage now?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think outside and also outside of the um, before we started podcasting, I know, Kelly, you had mentioned, you know, there are a lot of people who engage in um, a fire festival around this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's. Um, I know that that's not part of your practice. And I it hasn't been part of mine. But also to me, it made me really think about, is that really looking... Closely at what's already in place, like what state the earth is already in at solstice. Like, do we need more light? Do we need more fire? Like, for me, a fire festival feels well, like a winter yeah. sort of thing. So it's I think that
1: that it's the expression of the sun. It's mm-hmm. sort of like the human reflection of I see you and I reflect you and I honor you. But dude, it is it's seriously over a hundred degrees here today. I ain't lighting no fires right. this
0: week. It's right. And,
1: and,
0: and in some of my work around, um, like, I'm sort of building this framework, which has really um, had me thinking about what these seasonal changes mean for me beyond, like, finding what feels authentic for me, I guess, um, in, right. you, know, you know, exploring my path with it. And for me, summer, um, the things that I've come away through, come away with, you know, common themes that come up around summer is, you know, in terms of stages of life, it's sort of like an adolescence. Um, There's a ton of energy, there's a ton of brightness, and it's, um, there's a lot going on, there's a lot to be harnessed, Um, you know, sort of this is the growing season, this is when things are, you know, if we were farmers, we'd be tending things that would be growing and approaching throughout the summer, a, a place of being harvestable, and Um, But the thing I, the biggest theme that really struck me is that in terms of, if we were to look at the year in terms of a day, you know, this is the bright, the brightest point. It's kind of like the midday of the year. And the idea that there's very little shadow to hide behind. So it's a, for me, symbolically, it has been a place of approaching this point in the year and laying things bare, the kind of laying, it it lays your ship bare. Like, you you can't hide under a sweater, you can't, um, you know, everything is right out in the open. And it's sort of a place to look at with all of that uncovered for me, this, and this is just what it's come to for me, is looking at, you know, peeling away the stuff that doesn't serve, burning away the layers I don't need, um, really shining a light on what's working and what's not, and discarding, you know, any way in which I'm sort of hiding from, true nature, best practices, that kind of, it, it is kind of a taking stock moment in the year for me is, is what it's come out, what's come out of all of that exploration for me. And also looking at where I might be burned out, exhausted, you know, being out in the sun all day is exhausting. You know, where do I need to acknowledge that I can't be a constant burning flame? Like every flame eventually burns out. Um, so that kind of thing really pops up for me. What I find truly
2: fascinating is that when I look at the temperature difference between where Kelly is and where I am, there's at least 50 degrees difference in temperature. Mm -hmm. And so both of us will be celebrating solstice differently because of that um, difference in the temperature. I mean, I will be hiding under a sweater, most probably. And I understand what you're saying about the shadow work, but I think there's also the physicality of it, too, that... Mm -hmm. um, we're we're in different parts of the United States, we're experiencing it differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think it has to be an um like the heat of the sun, but rather a light, an exploration of where we're having an abundance of light. And this is sort of like the most abundant point. And and depending on where you're at, you know, in per- parts of Alaska, there is no sunset on solstice. Like it's a straight up twenty-four hours of sunlight. Um so kind of taking stock in like how much, how, what proportion, what portion of that is your experience and kind of honoring that within your practice around this point in the year?
1: I think for me, it it I've done a lot of different ways of honoring summer solstice over the years. But for me, it's largely filtered through the runes now and i don't think i've said this here but i write the weekly rune which is a rune cast that encompasses the seasonal staves there are half month um runes for the for the whole year and so part of the rune cast is focusing on what the current half month stave is and what it means and all you know what other runes come up around it to kind of give it flavor and so dagaz is the one that is the half month for summer solstice for June, mid June anyway. Um, And it's, Degas marks the end of the year. It's a little bit different than the standard ordering of the elder Futhark that people are used to, but it marks the end of the year. And if you are familiar with the stave of Degas at all, it looks like two triangles with their points touching in the middle. And the whole focus of solstice is that point in the middle. And the idea is when you are that under the spotlight, when you are that focused on what is in the center of extremes when they meet, there's a great deal of tension there. And that's kind of the whole point, at least from a runic perspective, of what summer solstice brings. So, I can't project what that tension will be for myself or for anybody. But from an animistic standpoint, that's what I do on the moment of solstice is put myself in that midpoint and let myself feel what it's like to stand between those extremes where darkness and light are equal for a very short period of time and what it feels like to be in that space and what it has to say to me.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I and I think there is so much that you can get out of that moment because how much do we spend winter, you know, waiting for more light to more light and warmth to come in and spring we're getting a little taste of it and then this is that point where it's like you want sun, you've got some freaking sun. And then but also this knowing that like from this point on that sun's going to it's going to decrease. Everything's going to change again back toward that day. that other point. And we take the same kind of stock in winter. It's like, this is the darkest it's gonna get. And it's, and and that that faith or sense that like the light is going to return. And what do we need to do to, I mean, in prior iterations of humanity, survive until the sun returns. And, th- but this is also that point of like, you can die from heat stroke too. You know, there, there, there are two huge extremes And taking stock in where, and I like that idea that this could also be a new year, you know, it just depends on which feels like, you know, the pivotal shift, there is a huge shift in summer solstice as well.
2: Do either one of you also, oh, go ahead, Kelly.
0: I was just gonna say, I think
1: I feel the biggest shift at summer solstice uh, of the whole year. I don't, I don't know how to put that into words, but for me, that is the Sabbath that is the clue by four.
0: Hmm. I agree. And I, like I, when I think of winter solstice, I, in past year, the past few years, probably four or five years, I've considered it my new year in a way, but it's such a, it's such a quiet. It's such a quiet point in the year compared to this one in a way that it. It does make some sense to kind of look at summer solstice as the bigger, for me, the bigger shift into like just a totally different sense of things, a totally different relationship with nature. Winter kind of isolates you from nature in a way and that you're mostly trying to survive it. And this is kind of like an abundance. In some ways, that feels like more of a beginning for me than winter solstice, I guess, in a different way. I think you might have just addressed what I was going to ask,
2: Brandy. And my question was, um, do either one of you stand side by side with solstice in being the longest day of light, and also welcoming in? Now the days are going to be coming shorter. Mm-hmm. I find myself looking oh. forward to that. You know, the day shortening. It's it's like I'm celebrating oh, yeah. both at the same time.
1: I am not a fan of brightness or big heat, like, like I'm a creature of comfort. I just want to be comfortable all the way around. And, and I feel kind of like a weenie a lot of times for saying that, but the reality is I don't, I don't like all the brightness in the heat of summer that we have, and so I'm totally welcoming that like three seconds a day of slightly more darkness
0: it's and it's I would say to answer your question Janet that's a it's a mixed bag for me too and I think for most people it's probably a mixed bag unless you're really like a summer lover or you really love I mean I really love winter but I do still get to a point where I'm like okay I'm you know I'm ready for some more sunshine I'm ready to be able to take walks without having to bundle up in a bazillion layers and um but then when summer hits you know it's been like 90 some degrees and huge amount of humidity the past three days. And I'm just like, I'm over it. I, so there is a welcoming, you know, I love fall. I'm like Kelly, I'm a creature of comfort. I like, you know, I'm a Taurus. I like to be stable and comfortable (laughs) and um, spring and fall are my jam. Um, So I guess both of these more severe seasons are in their own way, they're trials and they're also, a point of gratitude. You know, winter's giving nature a break and making it possible for summer to be and summer is making the best use of all of that sunlight um and as it's slowly fading.
1: There's something that's really sad about it to me also. I mean, I I'm totally, you know, waving the banner that summer is gonna wane but but there's also a a real sadness about it that you know there those seconds really don't last long those those seconds of truly standing in the middle of anything in life they never last long
0: that's true and it and it, it that immediately made me think of how deeply impacted we are as a planet and then as people living on this planet And everything about every type of person in that animistic way that's living on this planet, we're deeply, deeply framed and impacted and created to accommodate this mass um, collision event, you know, this thing, like, we have no idea how deeply impacted we are by things that preceded us by billions of years. That's just, um, what would we be like if we hadn't, if our axis hadn't been tilted?
1: That's why the whole earth-based spirituality thing has always been a little problematic for me because to me that, you know, earth is just part of the neighborhood and I've always experienced that bigger, whatever, bigger expanse of neighborhood space or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And and I've always felt like the whole earth-based spiritual path was really, really limited for me. But of course, as I get older, I can only hold so much bandwidth at one time, and so I have to kind of rein it in. But really, as animists, nature is way bigger than just what's happening on Earth, and I think that that gets forgotten.
0: Yeah, and that, and that is what I had forgotten, just in in sort of reorienting myself, was that, I mean, even how we operate here is so impacted by something that just crashed into us and went on its way or maybe as a part of the planet you know whatever it is but there's so much outside of where our feet are on the ground it just does you can go out forever in terms of you know nature is everything that's natural and that's you know that goes way beyond even our solar system Mm -hmm. or our galaxy
2: It's mind-blowing when I stop to think about it It, it, in a beautiful way. It invites me to take off the the blinders that I've got and to look at, yes, it's this and it's more. And when I start looking at that and it's more, I find that it takes it, this is going to sound paradoxical, um, but it takes it farther away from me and also brings it closer to myself. I don't know how to explain it better than that. I have an awareness. Well, I think it takes
1: pressure off. What's that? it takes some pressure off yeah yeah
2: I'm... yeah that's a good way to say that i like that
0: when it goes it goes you know we can expand as far out as humanly imaginable and then beyond that and then but it also grounds deeply inwardly to that same type of infinity it you know it's just um even our understanding of what is way, way, way beyond us is rooted in how it affects us in our immediate everyday life. Like I'm I'm still walking on this planet. So even my grounded understanding of what's beyond this planet is rooted in the only understanding and experience I have, which is right here, which is right out front. You know, like I'm standing in my front yard. I'm still connected to all of that beyond, beyond this, you know, very basic layer in front of me. So um do either do any of you have um you know specific plans for this particular solstice this particular Thursday do any of you have personal rituals around it
1: Mine will be just sitting in that moment to to project myself into the moment of solstice and just observe just see what's there if there's something there for me or for collective to participate in that and and do whatever it asks me to do on a literal level I think we'll just be having a candlelit dinner with the family that night
2: mm-hmm. I want to be with the sun the entire time that it's awake here and that's basically from five o'clock in the morning till 10 30 at night I don't know if I'll be able to do it particularly the morning part of it but to be with the sun as much as possible. And also to, um, and there's going to be music, of course. I don't know what the music is yet, but there will be music. But also to hold in balance that there may be moments of time during the solstice where it might start to smell like fall for me, or I might start to experience fallish moments. That's happened a couple of times already here. So I think that with this solstice, I'm looking at it with totally different eyes than I have in the past. Always in the past, I've looked at it more ritualistically, and now I just want to go from the experiential level of being with the sun as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I, and need I need to don't... make
1: some solstice tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yes, Let's... you do. like it out set it out at sun or whatever you know your closest moment to sunrise set it out and then you can drink it at supper
0: yep. brilliant I love it and I mean to just make that super super clear instructions like literally take some water put a tea bag in it or put your tea leaves in it um, that you can you know sieve later um, but just literally sit it out in the sun all day long from the start of your sunlight to the end of your sunlight and you can drink it yeah that's a great idea. And I I think for me, I want to um, have some touchstones during the day, I can't spend the whole day out in the in the light, but um, I definitely want to connect with that moment in the morning. And then I want to, you know, throughout the day, take a moment to walk outside and and just appreciate that this is the brightest, you know, most light filled day of the year. And on a personal level, I'm it's interesting that the themes that come up for me around it are kind of not hiding in the shadows and facing what's been laid bare by this bright, you know, light. the The lack of as much shadow. Um, I'm gonna take a moment to look at, you know, what's not working. Where do I hide from maybe some of my truths and do some journaling around that and um, look at systems that I have in place in my life and how they could be refined and how they can be made more manageable in sort of that way that we, you know, you got to survive the heat. So where do I metaphorically need, you know, a couple more glasses of water, but also need to harness this time as well. So that's my plan for Thursday. That sounds good.
2: It does sound good. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, this is uh, for all of us being sort of nebulous on, you know, what, what specifically we wanted to say around solstice. We got a lot said. (laughs) We made the use of our time. So, um, I'll put, some, I'll, put some link, I'll put some links if you guys have good links around solstice or um, Kelly if you have some stuff if you've written or if you have some good reading around the runes and, and observing solstice um, and I'll link to your podcast episode too you talked about solstice as well um, and I'll link to this box article as well just for those of you who want to nerd out on the science of it all. Thank you. Thank and- you so much. And have a blessed solstice this week. Whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And I will see you on the other side of it. Take good care, everybody. Happy solstice. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.